Hey, Ronnie, can you hear us? Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. Yeah, I kept pressing. It kept saying unmute, and I kept pressing it, and then it just would not. And then the red line through the uh, microphone at the bottom would not undo. Huh. Very strange. Right. Just like, and I, I even logged back in, and it was still acting that way. Okay, well that's but we got you now. That's so. no problem. We're gonna do okay. we're gonna do right, a little. No, no, you're no, good. We're we're, gonna, all, we're, all, we're live right now, by the way. Yeah, we're gonna okay. just juggle Great. juggle things Great. around a little bit and and uh, you know what do they say in football? Call an audible, right? So we're gonna do that, but yes. we. Uh, Okay, great. We uh, we definitely are glad to have you on screen with us, uh, or I'm sorry, on the phone with us now. Um, yeah, so me too. we're glad to get caught up with you. I, I was hoping you could see everybody on the panel, but I'll just introduce. Uh, we have three guests here, or three hosts that are going to be speaking with you this evening. My name is Janet, oh, and then we have Scott. Hi, Hi. we have Scott, and we have Hi. nine. And I just want to Hi. welcome you to Tulsa Hi. Music Stream. Ronnie, I know yes. you're getting a lot of uh, requests for press, and we truly thank you for your time tonight. We definitely want to... Oh, I'm... I, yeah, go ahead. great. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. You it's bet. Awesome. You thank bet. You. And we're going to get into how you're doing and what's going on with the Blues Vultures. But I think the logical okay. first question for us to ask uh -huh. you is do you yeah. just share your heart and your thoughts with us about the announcement that Kix will be calling it a career after 45 years with a final show in September? Well, it's it's kind of bittersweet, but it's um, I think it's been coming for a little while um, after talking with a couple members about a year ago, uh, particularly one member was uh, really wanting to stop traveling. And um, uh, then with Jimmy's, uh, the drummer's health condition with, uh, and um, most people know that he, he's had some heart problems. Yes. Cardiovascular. Uh, I think topped off with that, it's um, it's time for the um, <laughs> final show to come. Uh, and uh, it's sad, but it's, you know, I don't, we don't want to see Jimmy uh, get any worse with his health. Um, he's a strong guy. He's always been uh, a very proficient um, uh, drummer, businessman, person, um, and he always got the job done. It's unfortunate, um, but I heard he played um, some songs on the Monsters Rock Cruise. I think he played at Merriweather mm -hmm. recently, so God bless him, and uh, I'm glad he's out playing again, and uh, I knew he would. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is uh, Scott here. Um, I'm sure the million dollar hey, the million dollar question is: Will you be attending or um, performing that 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 last night that last show there in Maryland? <clears throat> I'm grateful to say that I am. Awesome. Um, yes, I heard it through the grapevine like two weeks ago when there was talk of the last show. I heard it from a couple friends, um, and then um, Bob, the guy, uh, the guitarist who took my place, he, he texted me Sunday uh, a week ago. Um, it'll be what's the date? Friday, uh, two weeks ago on a Sunday, um, and um, he uh, wanted me to, to uh, call him. So I did on the Tuesday. I was really busy on Monday of last week. So I spoke with him on Tuesday and um, morning at 10 o'clock. And while I was talking with him, before I even had heard from anyone in the band, 
uh, the tickets went on sale for Meriwether for the last show, wow. and they they announced that I'd be playing some songs. So I'm really grateful. And Bob just filled me on everything. He said I'll have the guys call you. And I spoke with Steve uh, last Monday or Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday, I talk with Steve, then I talk with Brian. I ha- I want to call Jimmy, and then I'll call Mark, uh, just to say, hey, get a mindset. Um, instead of just walking in and say, hey, where do I plug in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right. So it'll be good. You know, we've all kind of texted through the last couple of years, and, um, you know, hey, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I talked to a couple of them throughout, and... Um, Bob is always texting me and uh, talked to him a few times. I talked with him yesterday, and I'm going to go to his house. Since Brian lives in um, um, Nashville, I'm going to go to Bob's house because he lives pretty close to me and go over the songs. All three of us will be playing guitar, so Great. we'll be like Leonard, Leonard Kicks and um, yeah. and um, with three guitars. So Bob and I will work the parts out so we're not stepping or playing. You know, we'll work them out. We'll come out with something cool. Well, you're looking good, and you're sounding Thank great, you. and um, yeah. I know you have your um, your other project, Blue Blue uh-huh. Vultures, and Blue, I love the Blue logo Vultures. of the yeah yeah mm-hmm. L- looking great. Yeah, and Ronnie, let me ask you something. I you know I I know that when when a band that's been together as long as you guys announces that they are hanging it up i'm sure it puts a person into a very reflective uh, mindset where you start just thinking about the entire scope and span of your career if you don't mind just just as you're looking back share some of your just greatest memories about when this band first started forming and coming together in those first jam sessions what was that like when this band started coming together yeah you know i just saw pictures online people have posted that I don't even have of the very first lineup with Donnie, myself, Brian, and um, uh, our first drummer, Donnie Spence, and our first singer, Terry Brady. And it brought back a lot of memories of us (laughs) putting our first shows together and Donnie and I I played together at first with some guys from Pittsburgh that he'd come out of a band with. Prior to that, Donnie had always played in bands with Jimmy. Mm. They were from the same town. And I used to go see their bands. They always had the best bands in the area. And uh, then I heard um, uh, these guys Donnie was playing with uh, and heard Donnie's original songs. So um, first, and I've said this before, the first song I ever played with Donnie was Atomic Bombs on my old Stratocaster <laughs> and um, uh, that was you know I, I was into it because I've been playing I, I was in one original band in my teens but most of the time it was cover bands and I was 20 years old and I didn't want to stay on that path and I loved Donnie's songs and he had a whole bunch of other songs that we played along with covers too because we had to play till three hours a night in the clubs right. in the clubs so um <laughs> I remember us uh, a couple months after these guys, the first guys didn't work out because they lived so far away and we were really poor. I was like living on my girlfriend's couch. Like, you know, what's a guitar player without a girlfriend? Homeless. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. And 
it was true. And um, <laughs> and Donnie was living in a small place. We, we couldn't keep these guys from Pittsburgh. We couldn't afford to. Um, great musicians. But anyway, we moved in two months later into Brian's basement because I'd known Brian since our throughout our teens we're from the same hometown mm -hmm. and i knew he was a really good guitar player so um yeah we moved in his basement and um we played for a couple years as the shoes until we found steve and um then we got jimmy and i guess by 79 it was the lineup that was to be kicks um and uh I have um, great memories of us rehearsing every day. We were together all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, we, uh, when we started out, I remember, uh, I remember we would make like maybe $30 a week. And, you know, I look back on that and it was like, you know, it, it was, wasn't about that. We just all loved playing and, and uh, we worked it up from, from there and we just kept up playing anywhere we could mm -hmm. and branching out and it was a big deal for us to go to baltimore to play and we would open for a band here called face dancer who was a great rock group in 78 79 and we would open for this for those guys and their manager had gotten them a record deal he was from new york and gotten them a record deal on capitol records mm -hmm. and their manager kept uh talking with us and of course this was cassettes back then and we made a cassette from reel to reel tape and he took it and shopped it around that's how we got signed to atlantic okay and um it was uh god i remember then face dancer opening for us which i i felt really weird about because i really always looked up to those guys mm -hmm. and um uh, I remember going playing three sets to playing one long set of all mostly originals. And when our first record came out, which we recorded, I get dates wrong, but I think it was 1980 mm -hmm. and it was very hot. It was in, in New York City, Atlantic Records. Um, it was, um, we all lived in an apartment called at Beekman Tower Plaza and traveled by, uh, went to the studio up on 60th and Broadway, Atlantic Studios every day uh, for 30 days. And we had a budget to work with and we had a great producer, Tom Allen. Yeah. Uh, he had produced Judas Priest. He'd also produced uh, Brad Whitford, uh, Whitford St. Holmes record. Oh, wow. Uh, amongst others. And we had a great time making a record with him. We played together in the studio. I remember. Um, and, and we did uh, some guitar overdubs, some guitar solos. But all the rhythm tracks were done with us playing together with Gojo's and the baffles between us. And Jimmy, the studio was huge. So he was way down at the other end with his drum kit. Steve was in a scratch bo uh, vocal booth. And of course, we uh, those guys did the vocals after the old school the yes the old school way old we, school yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> now and the donnie <laughs> the, the, was donnie uh pretty much from the from the get-go would become the band leader this the main songwriter all that did you guys know that yes that in yeah, the beginning I knew he was a leader and he was the proficient uh songwriter in the band at that time and yeah i accepted it absolutely and, uh, Every band needs a leader. Yep. And he was the guy. And um, 
he um he found he knew how to bring the best out of each one of us um and apply it to the songs he was great at that mm -hmm. and uh yeah and uh we we worked all the time and uh we were committed to the band nobody played in a different band none of us were married uh it was the band that was it sure and right. uh, that was what i wanted to do yeah and i still do absolutely uh, yeah and um so yeah i mean that was to be uh we just accepted that he was the leader and he was the songwriter now your first album your debut uh, of course it featured the song atomic bombs which is a great great tune love that first album <laughs> yeah and but your second one you weren't on that album and no. what was what was the the situation between uh the first to the second album well i've had a history of uh as everyone knows of drug addiction and at that time after our first record our first tour uh and i'll just be honest i was living with this girl who was dealing drugs and she was giving them to me and i mean I, We'd all dabbled, but I, I was clearly the one with the addictive personality. And I mean, I started, I'm not proud of this, but it happened. I mean, I started drinking and using when I was 14 years old. It didn't get ugly until that record. And, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize I had problems until I was showing up a half hour late for rehearsals. I wasn't doing my homework. Mm -hmm. um, I had an attitude uh, because I didn't like some of the songs that were being projected for the second record and i mean it's kind of a joke now but it wasn't funny at the time i would not learn get your monkeys out i just would not learn it hmm. i didn't like the song i didn't like the direction i didn't like new wave music i mean i grew up with the 60s and the 70s i saw all the great rock band i must have seen aerosmith at the capitol center in largo maryland 50 times you know and that's to me what was rock and roll and and seeing mountain seeing cream seeing uh i didn't get to see Jimi hendrix so i was a little bit too young um but you know and the list goes on seeing zeppelin seeing all these great rock bands queen um oh, slade uh uh um you know and and um i could alice cooper and uh, blues players guys that played you know learn to play from the blues like jimmy page and eric clapton and and um and the guitar players from alice cooper the original band i hailed this guy i love glenn buxton michael bruce and and i also you know I, i'm i'm a big hendrix fan and and joe perry and brad Whitford, all these guys these that's what rock and roll was to me and for the record company at that time to try to turn us into something new wave sounding just mm. I was just like, there was two things going on. I wasn't happy with the movement of music, and clearly I had a drug problem. And at the time, I'd heard about AA, but I didn't know about it. We parted ways. I went away for six months. I lived out in L.A., and, and I thought getting off the hard drugs and just drinking and smoking weed was, was a maintenance plan that I could live with. Mm -hmm. Well, only for me to uh returned to hard drugs again in 1989 when i went to a rehab that saved my life and i stayed sober and clean for 21 years honest to god and um 
in the last uh, 10 years prior to my two years and 80 days sober and clean um, was hell on everyone and myself because the disease of addiction and alcoholism is progressive. And I can, I share my story with a lot of people in hopes that it will help them. And, uh, you know, I try to tell this to a young man right now who's struggling and he's a friend, uh, he's a, he's our drummer from the blues vultures. It's his son. And I try to tell Adam, you don't want to end up like me at my age when I was locked away for six months at a rehab, um, losing my job didn't know if i'd ever see or talk to my family again you don't want to end up like that so just take it from listen to what i have to say and take you know try to apply it in your life you're 24 years old he's my friend adam and i want i want to see adam make it you know mm -hmm. i don't want to see him go down this road yeah. and i'll carry this message to anyone um and um I mean, I'm not fixed by any means, so I have a daily maintenance. Sure. Like when I wake up, the fact that I'm breathing means that I'm an addict and alcoholic. But it's that's what I was going to say. You're breathing still, so you're you're a fighter still, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Yes, and so I know what to do and how to combat it. I have two sponsors. I call all the time. I go to meetings. I have a therapist, and I play a lot of guitar. And I, I spend a lot of time with my son and my daughter and my wife. And um, I just I do I try to do the next right thing mm -hmm. each day. Well, that's good. And if I fall if I fall short, I take a look at it at night. It's the tenth step in the AA program, personal inventory. And then I try to do better the next day. And um, but as long as I don't pick up that first one of yeah. alcohol or drugs, yeah. I have a chance at living. And it's so true. And it's that first one that will ruin my life. And I know that for a fact. And um, so, um, yeah, but I mean, back to that second record, I missed the guys. I was away for six months, came back here to join some band. They heard I was back and started coming to speak with me. Um, so I actually did the videos for that record. And videos were... What, were the bo terrible. body talk and all that? <laughs> yeah, and cool kid. And... So I did the videos and I did all the shows for those rec for that record. Now, are you on and the album cover? No. Okay. Uh, that's Brad. Okay. That's mm -hmm. Brad Divins. Yeah, Brad Divins. Um, and um, great guy and um, a good player. And he was in Wrath Child America. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah, bass player in the group. Well, you have to understand, and, you know, those those eighties of MTV, MTV coming out. You have the Knack and all these <laughs> all these bands oh, yeah. come out with the skinny ties and and all that. And New Wave was coming out, and and you guys were kind of right there in the in the midst of all that, you know. And then we were, and then comes yeah. Bow Hill, and suddenly you have Midnight Dynamite, and things start kind of changing for you guys. Exactly. You start getting a little they bit did. heavier. Yep. It's, it's almost like I mean, the, the hair, your look, and you have a great look, by the way, Ronnie. Mm -hmm. You just have a rock and roll yeah, you get the personality. Rock, the rock star. You, you are a rock star, and I love the way you dress, the way you carry yourself. You know, you just have a knack of like clothing and rock clothes. Is that something that you always kind of were yeah, into? Yeah, besides guitars, uh, I love clothes, and I always love the clothes like uh, the Stones wore in the late, 60s and, and uh i love the clothes aerosmith would wear and mm -hmm. clothes that alice the early alice cooper group wore and all that kind of stuff and, and i just yeah i do i and it's just i don't i it, 
I don't feel right unless I'm wearing something that I go, wow, yeah, let, let's try. So this are on. you are you more of a Stones guy or a Beatles guy? Music, uh, music. Both. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you said that. I would I would say though, as far as influences with the, my playing, and well, both really. I, I I was just watching Get Back again for the tenth time. Oh, it's wonderful. The other night. And I'm watching these guys play guitars, and I'm watching how they write songs, and I'm listening to how they sing. And I mean, I must say, John Lennon is probably my favorite singer in the world. Yeah, and was and still is. Yeah. And um, but I pick apart Keith Richard and and Mick Taylor and Brian just Brian Jones and Ronnie Wood. I love their guitar playing, and, and I, I've seen the Stones every tour except for this last one because I think I was in the rehab when they came through um but yeah um I, so i've seen every tour since 75 let me say that wow wow you know and um so i'm sorry to interrupt you i, I want to ask this before i right. forget scott I'll, mentioned Bo hill and so we know that Bo hill uh, worked with yeah. you guys on both midnight dynamite and blow my fuse the three of us that are interviewing tonight we're musicians so it always fascinates us to ask our guests about their experience working with particular producers did you enjoy the experience of working with Bo hill and were you pleased with the remakes of both of those albums Relate. I re-release. Sorry. Enjoyed working with him during the remakes. And okay. I actually, redid the solo in Scarlet Fever. Okay. Um, the on the first on the original record, uh, Mike Slamer played the solo because uh, Bo wanted a Van Halen style, and and I just I didn't know I didn't play like that. Yeah. I you know I grew up with the bands. I'm telling you, about, bluesier player. Really. I mean, I heard Eddie Van Halen. I could tell he was innovative i could tell that he had something different but i didn't listen to it because it just wasn't my thing mm -hmm. and you know um really um i didn't and i never learned to finger tap and all that i just thought i didn't it wasn't my thing i didn't want it to become my you're thing. more of a bluesier and guy yeah 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 my yeah i hold a pick and i play the fretboard just right. like you know uh, you'd see Muddy Waters doing, and sure. and and uh, you know, just it goes back. Uh, so I mean, back to the roots. And um, however, Bo during Midnight Dynamite, Bo was a keyboard player and maybe a horn player. I know he was a keyboard player. Bo, we didn't have the best communication. Uh, him and I, and I don't think Brian did either, about what he wanted for, with guitars, what he expected. Um, it was a tough gig hmm. working with him. Okay. After working with Tom Allen, who was just like all levels up to 10, and I understood that. <laughs> right. And let's go for it. Right. You know, let's rock. And and it was, for me, it was no fun making The Night Dynamite, even though it, it came out as a great record. And, um, um, I'm not crazy about the way the guitars sound on that record, but mm. they sound great on the remix, yeah. remaster. And but when I met Bo again later on doing remix again, I mean it was just great. You know, I crack jokes about Bo. I learned the fourth chord or something like that. You <laughs> know, and uh, it was cool. Um, but I learned something from it all because um, Scarlet Fever 
was a song that we had just learned the rhythm to the day we left to go to the studio in New York. Mm. And um, uh, that song kind of kept sitting there until we got to it. And I hadn't really got, had a chance to work on it because we were doing all the other songs. It's not really an excuse, but I didn't apply myself in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walk in the studio, Brian and I, and there's a guy in the control room recording a solo to it and and um that was tough but it was what Bo wanted on the record yeah he didn't tell us mike was coming in and um you know but i met mike and i went to i went and took lessons from him because somebody had to play the solo live and i got on train and i went to new jersey stayed at his house with him for like four or five days and come to find out he was from England. He loved Eric Clapton. He goes, I just, when I moved here, Van Halen was big. He said, I thought I better learn how to play that style. Yeah. And um, so he showed me how to play that solo. And um, so I would play it live. I, I don't believe I played as well as he did by any means. It just wasn't natural for me to do that kind of thing. But I, I played it and I learned a lot from him and um, and I also wrote a couple songs with him, mm. and um, I, he ended up being a friend. And <laughs> you know, God works in mysterious ways. So um, yeah, it was all good. And then uh, yeah, but it, that's uh, that record drove me to learn more, and it made me realize that I need to learn more and consist be consistent with learning from everybody. Did Did you ever uh, Did you ever feel like having Bo and Donnie? there you kind of had two leaders a bit was it was there ever um, a, a power struggle maybe between the two no of them or okay i i would i would every song every record i would listen to what donnie wanted donnie was my final say that's the way that it was going to go down mm-hmm. and that if if he if donnie liked it then i was all about it Right so and, uh, I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't care if the producer liked it or not. If Donnie liked it, right, good enough. Wow, yep. that's cool. So, needless to say, it sounds like you agree. I, I have heard Steve Whiteman make comments about how the original versions of those two albums we've been talking about—they just had way too much reverb, too much delay. I, it sounds like you agree with those sentiments as well. Yeah, there was a jumbly guitar effect on the guitars on the Night Dynamite, and they're kind of buried. And uh, mm. uh, it's not my kind of guitar sound by any means. Um, it was added to the guitar. I mean, I just plugged straight into a Marshall or a Fender amp mm-hmm. and just played the tracks, and then the effects were added later. Right. Um, yeah, but um, Steve's right, and of course. It was the 80s, and people were producers, engineers were playing with toys that they got. Sure. Hell yeah, oh, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> they were, yeah, they were like it was like the change in, in the um, uh, it was an adventure to try and learn how to use all these new gadgets, and they just kept coming in, and people kept trying them, or engineers, and yeah, so anyway, um. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy was proficient with learning how to use. Like I, I remember seeing Jimmy learn how to use the first like drum machine. He, I mean, I don't know how long ago it was, a long time ago. 
Yeah. yeah but, but he was always good at learning how to use uh, and program. And um, like when we do our make our demos and stuff, he would do the edits. He would uh, play stuff on the drum machine. I mean, he was just really good at that, and he still is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So now was Tom? Anyway, was, 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 did, did Tom Werman? Was he a little bit? Uh, you know, a little bit. I like Tom. Yeah. Yeah, he was like uh, uh, love rock and roll. You know, um, he, you know, he worked with all the kind of players, like from Ted Nugent to, yeah. um, like the guy, like, like, um, like, uh, Motley CC or, or Motley. Yeah. Or, that's or the Nick crazy Moss. thing. Didn't Bo Hill go to work with rat? Yeah. And, and with Warren, I mean, we toured with rat and Warren's roots were like rock and roll, but yet he could play with that Van Halen. Uh, flair to his playing. So Kicks and was kind of like the training ground for these 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 producers and stuff to uh, get some training and go ahead and you know yeah. take it take take it elsewhere, perfect it, you know. Uh huh. Yeah, and um, so, um, but I'm I'm grateful to Motley Crue because when I was living in L.A., I've said this before during the six months during Cool Kids that I was not here. Um. um I um. I went to see Motley Crue. I knew about them from back here. I, I had their record on Leather Records, and I was like, wow, here's a rock band doing all this new wave that's not afraid to play rock and roll and and wear cool clothes at the time, and leather clothes and boots again, you know, like high heel platforms or whatever, and do this. So when I went to L.A., I went. To, I found them, and I went to see them, like at Magic Mountain. They had huh. they had made their own stage, their skulls, and and uh, their own. You know, uh, they had their own thing going on that right. they built, and I love that about them. And um, yeah, so um, I was grateful to that band for bringing rock and roll back. Mm-hmm. And then again, um, during Midnight Dynamite, we opened for. Guns N' Roses at the Troubadour in November of 1985. Hmm. They were probably 10 years younger than us. But here's this band. We opened for them. We were touring our third record because our agency knew that they were selling out the clubs in Hollywood, West Hollywood, uh, on Sunset Strip. So we played with them at the Troubadour. And um, I remember... uh, you know, Slash just blowing me away. I loved his bluesy, yes. down-to-earth, straight-ahead rock and roll. And uh, you could recognize that they had great songs. And they were a real rock and roll band. And that night, uh, I, uh, I remember that uh, Axel reminded me of a, of a male Janis Joplin. Oh, wow. That's what I thought of him. <laughs> and I thought, this guy has got it all. And... Um, yeah, then we had a party that lasted three days. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what, did, yeah. did the success of Blow My Fuse, did that um, be, become any kind of a, a problem down the line for you? Or were you pretty much straightforward uh, in your life and everything? I mean, that album I, and that's, it's a platinum album now, so congratulations on that. It's, it's a great album. Yeah, I mean, yeah it, it is a great album. It blew and, and up. Big time. Working with Tom was really cool. Like he just loved rock and roll. Now I liked him personally. There was a couple guys in the band that begged to differ about that. Um, anyway, I got along with Tom really well. Um, and um, but um, 
No, to answer your question, for me, uh, the recording of Blow My Fuse, I was still drinking and using, and, um, and, um, but right before the Rat Tour, uh, I would say we made that record, I forget the month Brian would know this, and but I forget, I know that it was like uh, in the summer, I think, in L.A., and, and we were recording Blow My Fuse because uh, I remember being freezing at Conway Studios that Tom Herman liked to use. Um, and But by that December, we were doing the club gigs and we were playing these songs. The record hadn't even come out yet. Um, I had bought them, especially back here, um, and ended up, luckily, the our manager... Uh, one of the guys at the record company and our guys had been to Hazelden where I went to. Um, they put my ass on a plane and flew me there. Um, and I'm glad that they did. And they knew that to get me where it's 25 below zero in January of 1989 was the place to put me with no money. Mm. Um, I wasn't going to leave because um, I checked in a couple places around here and left. And um, when they weren't looking, I'd just leave and go back and do what I did. And um, but once I got there, uh, I mean, I was like a wild horse the first week. I wouldn't listen to anybody. Uh, uh, I was just a pain. Everybody's. But uh, two guys from my group just chewed me out one day, and I started to listen, and I started to change, and I started to listen to my. I had a great counselor, and. It just so happened that while I was in there, Steve said, called me and told me, Steve wanted to call me and said, we're, we're getting on a tour. Uh, our friend Jimmy Kay is going to take your place for a few weeks. Ironically, that tour bus came to Minnesota the day before I was to leave that rehab. And the guys came to the rehab, met my counselor, and took me to um, uh, a rehearsal space uh, in Minneapolis. And we rehearsed. And um, I got on a bus and started playing. And I truly believe that was part of my major recovery hmm. because I knew the routine. I loved the routine. I knew exactly what I was to do each day. And I knew to be great at it, I was to stay sober and clean. And I took everything they told me, suggested to me to do from Hazelden, my counselor there. And it was a spirit about the place that they had transmitted to me. And I had my books. They gave me, this is before cell phones or anything, internet. They gave me two thick books with meetings all across the United States. And anytime that we would get a hotel and get off the bus and stay, I'd get my butt up in the morning at 8 o'clock or 7.30 and get to a meeting in whatever city. And um, I did that because I wanted to stay sober. It sounds like you had a, a really supportive band, and that's not the case. And in, in, in a lot we of did. a lot of bands, a lot of yeah. bands would have said, "Well, fuck him," you know, and replace him. And you have some really supportive friends, and yeah. that's that's great. Exa absolutely, and and yeah, and I'm grateful to those guys to this day. Um, and my great grandfather died an alcoholic, drunk along the roadside. Uh, from alcohol poisoning and my father never drank and my grandfather never drank because they saw what Johnny did and I turned into Johnny 
mm -hmm. uh, when I would drink. And not every time, but you never knew who was showing up once I put a couple in me or one in me. You never knew who was showing up. And it talks about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, Mr. Hyde. And that's who I would become. A person that the frontal lobe shuts down your brain. You start thinking with your lower part of your back of your brain. And you just do stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And you say stupid things. You do stupid things. I did. And I landed myself in jail. I would be arrested. Uh, and that's not me. That's not the person I want to be. Right. And that's not the person I'm going to be. I'm going to be this guy that you're talking to now. Every day I apply personal maintenance with the AA program and um, just um, try to be a better person. And so having said that, um, I came out of uh, Hazelden, and I, honest to God, I did everything that was asked to do, suggested to do, told to do. I had a great sponsor who was uh, in the music industry, so he understood the lifestyle. Um, and, you know, some of the guys in the band, band would drink, but they'd keep it out in front of the bus. I would stay in the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. Some of them smoke. Oh, one person would smoke weed. I'd stay in the back of the bus. I'd put blankets around the door just so and smell it. Mm. But uh, I stayed sober and clean, honest to God, for 21 years mm. until some prescription drugs got me high. Um, and I didn't ask for the prescription drugs. They were given to me by a doctor. And other things were going on at the time. I lost my sponsor. I got every excuse in the book. My dad died. I went through my mom's death in sobriety. I worked through it with my sponsor. I had 10 years sober and clean. And I went from grief to acceptance. With my father, uh, 10, 11 years ago, nah, I just said F it. I was out the door getting, I'd already gotten high off these prescription drugs, mm. which uh, I, you know, that's the disease of alcoholism. And, um, uh, that kind of thinking, uh, just F it, don't care about anybody but yourself. Right. And it led from there, it led to full fledged alcoholism and um, a lot of consequences, which were always worse. The next one was always worse than the one before. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to live like that anymore. Yeah. I don't want to hurt people anymore. So I don't take a drink, I don't take a drug. You know, Ronnie, I hope with all my heart, I want to encourage you tonight. I hope it never feels like a burden because I know you're constantly asked about your sobriety and I know you constantly have to talk about it, but I hope you realize, and I think you do because you sound like you're so solid, you know, you are, you're the Phoenix rising up from the ashes. And the beautiful thing about your situation is here you have this platform to tell your story to thousands and thousands of people who adore you and are pulling for you. And here you are, you've, you've come up from the ashes. You, you are defeating this one day at a time. And it's such an inspiration to others Thank you. who are battling addiction. And I just want to encourage you. I hope that it's never a burden for you to, to talk about your sobriety, because just know you're probably never. keeping people alive just with your words. It's never a burden, and I'm always grateful to talk about it. And I'll be completely honest about it because it's the only way. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I share my experience, strength, and hope, so that others may, uh, if if someone else is uh, struggling, that they realize there is light at the end of the tunnel. There isn't one if, and this stuff kills these days. Yeah. And I, I know people that have died since 
I went to the rehab. It kills, and it, it um, alcohol kills too. Right. And so it's serious, and at the same time, I can have fun talking with people about it, and I, I'm and I'm sincere about it. And I'm grateful to share awesome. about it. Absolutely. We have, uh, I appreciate that. We have you some, got it, man. We have some messages in the, in the chat room. Um, of course, I think you you know uh, Andrea, Janet. Um, she, yes, she's, of course I do. She's a good friend of mine. Awesome. She's asking about a Tommy Lee story or I guess uh, an <laughs> Ad- Adler story. <laughs> yes. Um Tommy Lee story. Yeah, I got to know Tommy while they were, uh, when I would go see them when I was living in LA, throwing my six months away from the band, Kicks Band or Cool Kids. Uh, he, he was like 19, I was 25 years old. And we got along really well. We had some fun times hanging out at the Troubadour and a couple other clubs. And yeah, we, young guys and we like girls, you know, and that's what we did. And so, uh, I went to a couple rehearsals with them and uh, Tommy was actually trying to find me. Uh, he actually knew a drummer, turned me on to a drummer out there to play with. And um, I got along really well with him. I, you know, I met the other guys, but I never really talked too much uh, to them. Um, and, um, you know, I kind of kept my distance. Uh, you know, I just, I knew they were serious about what they were doing. But Tommy and I, yeah, we had a great time. Um, and then Steven, he was a friend of a friend of mine uh, when I lived out. Well, actually, he got a hold of me after Kickspan split up in 95. And I went out to play a couple gigs with him. And um, then uh, when I lived there after that, in New York, 96, my wife and I, well, we weren't married then, but we lived there for a few years. I ended up playing some gigs with uh, Steven then. And, um, um, yeah, I actually wrote a song waiting for him one day to show up for practice that is on one of the blues watchers records he actually played he didn't play drums on the record but he came up with the drum part for it and it's called can't be loving you and um um but yeah yeah he he's um he's a great hearted a big heart completely different than me loud and boisterous you know but he's got a heart as big as texas you know he's just yeah. a, you know and i really like steven yeah and um we hung out with him at rocklahoma which is another uh thing that a place that we saw uh your band play is at rocklahoma and also uh, we opened up for you guys at the idl ballroom here in tulsa oklahoma and i don't know if you remember but uh me we were the band um and that opened up for you at idl when we had barbecue together <laughs> Uh, oh some, yeah, yeah. What, what's your band's name? It was Rocket Science, and, oh, and yeah, I came yeah. I came backstage and and I was <laughs> hammered, and I, I'm now over two years sober myself, and um, oh, congratulations! I hung out there with you guys, and you guys were eating pizza and everything, and <laughs> I, all I wanted was a picture. But you guys, you just got done with your show, and, and the only one I could get a picture mm-hmm. with was Brian, and everybody else was like, "Yeah, I don't want a picture." But now you get an interview <laughs> with him, and that's, that's better than a picture. That's yeah, amazing. But but you were a cool guy. We were, we talked before your show and everything, and it, and, it, and that was really and cool. What year, yeah, what year was that? I want to say it was at least what it had to be four or five years five? ago, yeah. something four like or that. Five years ago, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if if I was, you know, I was in the grips of addiction at the time. I probably just wanted to get back to my room and have a drink or something, and or I would hang out, and be a nice guy, you know, because that's what I do, and that's probably why I didn't hang around and talk with you, uh, to, cool. be, to be honest. 
That's all um, good. All good. The grips you know, up. You know yeah. what? You're talking with us now, and we're we're so grateful That's for right. that. I do want to ask you something. We're going to talk about the blues vultures here in a minute, but great. But before I before I get to that, I just want to know what what would you like to still accomplish musically with your career and personally? I know that's a very broad question, but just kind of a top level view of what you want to still do. Personally, I would like to be the best father I can be for my son and my daughter. They're young um, Mm -hmm. and be a a good husband. um, And um, that's what I want to do personally and also help another struggling alcoholic or addict and watch someone trans, you know, rise above the addiction and work with them uh, and or share about it uh, with others. Um, That is what I would like to do personally and personally get better with um, trying to, uh, with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, with the step work that is a continuation of a daily maintenance. Um, also, um, and um, with music, oh my God, I, I just, <laughs> I love playing. I love guitars. I love drums. I love everything about music. Um, I'm recording a new CD now with the Blues Vultures. Um, I love doing that. Um, I'm working with this guy that uh, he's the youngest brother of a family that I work at a music store with uh, down in in Maryland called Victor Litz. Anyway, Austin is the youngest brother, and he's great with recording us. He's a great keyboard player. He plays in a band called Litz, and um, um, he's um, we're 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 having fun making this record, and he's great working. He's a great producer to work with, and um, with me co-producing it, it's um, that's what I love to do. And I love still learning uh, Jimi Hendrix licks. I mean, th- this guy was 27 years old, unfortunately, when he passed. Yeah. But he came up with this innovative guitar sound, all these great songs. And I'm 66 years old, still trying to learn, what did he play there? <laughs> but I learned from this. And I mean, my God, the guy was a genius. And that's not diminishing any of the other guitar players sure. that I listen to. Yeah. So musically, I still want to learn and I always go back to the roots, always go back to the roots, always and then I learn some more and then I um I apply it. I don't try to steal anybody's licks. I just try to soak it up and let it come back out another way. Mm. Um I'm looking forward to there are goals with the blues vultures as far as kind of shows we want to get involved with um you got a great drummer yeah joe joe manfrey he's been working with me since 2017 Hmm. off and on and thank you um and i love working with him and he's um he's a great support in that he wouldn't mind me saying he's one of me in other words he's in program as well Mm mm-hmm uh, with nine years, I think it is. So he's kind of like my backbone in this band. And so is Rich, the other guitar player I've been playing with for 20 years since I started the band. Um, he had joined like a year or two after I started with a three piece at first, but it's, um, the blues vultures. We're more of a rock and roll band. It's just that when I started the band, 
I just, my mind was so clouded from coming out of the 80s and 90s. I was like, I gotta go back. How did this all start? Mm. And you know, the first couple songs that I played, a couple of them were originals. The others were Chuck Berry. They were a Muddy Waters song. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to start at the beginning again and reassess and reconnect uh, um, with uh, that music. And this record has a little more flair to it in that it has uh, a lot of influences from like 1972 glitter rock bands a little edge to it um uh, like early alice cooper um slade uh, sweet t-rex that kind of thing um um so that there's a little edge to this record that wasn't on the last two um and and the early aerosmith stuff too so uh it's all blues rock and i'm i'm looking forward to playing with this band i want to mm. keep playing it it would be, I, I'm looking forward, I would love someday for the Blues Lobsters to be able to go and play at Meriwether. And that that's, I'm not being egotistic or big headed. Sure. I would just love for that to somehow, that's like a goal. When I was 15, I'll say this and shut up. My goal was to play at the Capitol Center when I, by the time I was 25. Yeah. I played there, I played there for the first time when I was 26. And now, and again, and now so, Maryland's basically kicks country now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I have other goals as far as, you know, musically and, and then with this band. And um, uh, it's just to keep on keeping on. And it's kind of like with the kicks thing. We never really diverted from our style. Yeah. Right. We just stayed this. We just kind of evolved a bit. Just like the CD I'm making. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. a bit, but it's all uh, what you see is what you get. Right. Hey, can you take me back just for the album, that your last uh, Kicks album? You didn't have Donnie, who was your main songwriter on every one of your other albums. You guys gave him a call to try to be part of it. I guess he didn't want to be part of it, and we still don't know why. We don't know the reasons for all that. But then you had to go and record an album. And what was that like without having Donnie there for that album? It was chaos for me, um, honestly. It was, I had four guys telling me four different things if, at one time. And I was just like, I was like, oh my God. And <laughs> I did, when with Donnie, I knew it was what Donnie wanted to hear. Yeah, and I I knew that there's one guy that I need to please, and it's him. And I would try my best to do that because I knew he, that he knew what the record needed and what it didn't. So, but with blow my fuse, I was just like, oh my god, what is going on in here? I had the producer tell me one thing, Brian tell me one thing, Jimmy sitting behind me, burning holes through my skull about every drum beat to play on. And I made a couple CDs, and I, and I know how to play to the beat, and and he didn't have to do that. And I'm not knocking him or anything. I know he he just was trying to make sure it was it was as good as it could be. Mm. I get it. Mm. And <laughs> so I'm just kind of saying this jokingly because you asked me, mm-hmm. and I have to kind of make a joke about it. Because, but there were times where I'm like, oh my god, can you guys leave and let me play play right. this song? Right. You know. 
but they just wanted they had ideas and i tried to i would i would try to find the whoever's idea that i thought was the best for the record and i'd roll with that from mark to brian to jimmy to uh uh taylor rhodes uh, Steve was never there during the day while we we're doing guitars. I mean, Brian and I always go in first, and uh, Steve would show up later. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really hearing much from Steve, <laughs> but and I, I say it with love in my heart and appreciation that they cared that much about it. Yeah, yeah. sure. But sure. I was just like baffled by it all. Okay. Um, anyway, we made a record that turned out well, and I hats off to Brian. Yeah. Uh, I was I was. Um, finishing up a blues watchers thing and my mind was on this blues watchers thing and and i was still like i was like we're making a record with kicks donnie's not here let's see how this goes and i i heard the demos um that mark mark wrote most of the songs steve brought in three i have one song i brought in but there just wasn't a kicks course for it and I really didn't have, I, I should have had 10 songs, but I didn't because I was doing this, finishing up the Blues Vultures thing. And, and um, um, I'm not trying to make excuses, I'm just stating a fact from the time. Uh, the songs I was hearing from Mark, well, Brian took these songs that Mark had come up with and just kicksified them completely. <laughs> I just can't believe what a great job Brian did with that record mm. with, with Mark. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing because Mark comes from, he kind of came from a different school. He came from the Van Halen school and Mark's a guitar player and he's a great bass player. Um, and some of the songs he wrote with a guy that plays like a Van Halen style guitar, Rob. And um, uh, the songs I was hearing, I was not hearing kicks in them. But Brian did, and hats off to him. What a right. great job he did. Like, right. Wheels in Motion. When I first heard that, a great I don't song. even know if it was called that, Brian kicksified that song, along with all the rest. Yeah. Uh, Steve's songs were already kicksified, because that's how he wrote. I love Love um, Me With Your Top Off, or what, or Top Down. That's great. Top Down. <laughs> yeah, Top Down. Yeah. And, love and Me With Your Top Brian, Down. Yeah, Brian put the kicks he kicksified the riffs and mark was great at writing the songs and the lyrics and um he's a smart guy and again here i'm making a record with yeah. the bass player you know yeah i was kind of ironic at the time so, i love mark so donnie wasn't there to guide guide you guys on that record but it, was, it still came no. out it still sounded like old kicks the lyrics were there yeah you know steve yeah. did his thing and, and the guitars were there and, and you and brian yeah. worked great great together you say that you, you will be there at the final show in maryland the final kick show what is i'm grateful what is the uh the chances of donnie purnell joining you guys for that final show is there any chance that donnie will be there i i would say no mm. there's a 99 percent chance that he will not be there in my book um he just really doesn't like us because i mean one time I heard him say, I don't, in an interview, or I forget where he said, they, they stole my life. Oh, wow. He's right. He's right. We did. We took the songs he wrote, and we went out to do. 
but, it, but, but what did he did? Aren't these songs for kicks though? He wrote the songs for they kicks. They were. He did, and you're right. I just feel that way though, personally, just because I know him, and and you're right, and I appreciate your perspective because that helps me uh, look at it, and I've looked at it that way before. Um, sometimes I have to look at it that way again. Um, you're right, and when we got back together in 2003 after eight years um mark played bass with with um um with steve whiteman's band um funny money funny money and i was already yeah and i was going out playing opening shows for uh funny money with the blues vultures and a couple times steve asked me to come up play a couple kicks songs and i did and up until that point donnie still talked to me um, not on the phone, but there were a couple times that we actually, um, when I was living in LA, he actually wrote me a letter because our parents were passing away and we're going through that. And, um, we were friends still, um, until he saw a picture of me playing a kick song with Steve. He called the bass player in the blues vultures, Zach because Zach used to run sound with kicks and Donnie and Zach got along well. He's and he was furious with me and he goes, that's it with Ronnie. I'm done with him too. Mm. Um, Golly. Man. Yeah. So that's, um, that's, that's his thing. You know, right. uh, um, I can't, I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. He feels that way. Sure. Uh, I'd be grateful if somebody went out and played songs. I wrote, Hey, no you kidding. Know, play if, it well. But if you guys, if if you guys already offered him to come play with you guys, you want to get out there, you want to tour, you want to do your thing. He doesn't want any part of it. For I'm not sure why, but you guys just go ahead and do it. I mean, it's a business, right? At that point, you you guys made yeah. records. It's his songs. Yeah, but you're, right. you're still Jimmy, under the Jimmy kicks name. Remind, Jimmy would remind me that it's a business. Yeah. I would forget, you know. And he, Jimmy would say, "Right, it's a business." And I didn't like that because I grew up like guys in a band from the time I was 20 with Donnie and Brian, you know, and, and I thought that's what, I, you know, I wanted it to still be that way, but things change, people change, uh, times change, the music changes, the way things are done changes. And, um, it was kind of maybe, um, I don't know, uh, not very mindful of me to still think that way. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, there was no, Brian and I, when we got back together in 2003, wanted to get Donnie in the band, but the other two did not, mm -hmm. um, Steve and Jimmy, they wanted to get Mark cause they just didn't want to go through it again. Yeah. And I don't know that Donnie would have even considered it. I don't know what, I don't know what I don't know. Right. Yeah. So it happened the way it happened. Uh, it happened for a reason that way, and um, that's the way that it still is. I'm just grateful. I've missed them in the last two and a half years. Some days it, there's a hole inside of me. It's so big, and I just uh, some days no. Like when I'm when I'm playing practicing the vultures, or I'm in the studio, or I'm working on a new song, or I'm with with my kids, uh, you know, or my family. I don't think about it, but there are times I sure. think about it, and and, and I'm, I missed them, and and I knew it was it. It's been 
it's been humbling mm. and it's been good for me to go through these feelings of because that's what i needed um and i uh, i still do i still miss them but i'm just grateful that they asked me to be yeah. a part of this well, as a as a fan as a kicks fan back in 1985 when i walked into a record <laughs> store and i saw midnight dynamite and i picked it up and i fell in love with it and it was a, it was on the, my turntable every day and i would play it and play awesome. it and then i fell in love and got blow my fuse and 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 you know the rest and and i went back and got the first album and the second album and as a fan it would be just an amazing amazing thing to see everyone just at least for one night make amends for one night give it to the fans life's too short even if it's just one or two songs just you know whatever just give it out and it'd be cool on donnie's part to do something like that with you guys to reach out or somebody reach out and and everybody just kind of you know close the book on the kicks chapter and and you know and then go on go you know your ways you know brian's got rhino bucket you got blues you know blues vultures vultures and and of course funny money was you know but you know it sounds like he's steve's kind of wanting to get out of it as well you know is yeah he had mentioned i'm sorry talk with steve i'm sorry no no you go first Um, uh, steve he's having trouble with his legs uh yeah neuropathy um, and I guess he won't mind me saying this. Um, he told me a year ago, year and a half ago, that he didn't want to do this much longer because Ronnie, I can't sing these songs like I used to. Mm, okay. And I said, Steve, you do a great job at going from chest to head voice, and and, and when he used to be able to sing them in regular voice, mm. anything. Mm. And he knew he knows all that stuff. I mean, he's. He's, he's great at knowing how to sing, when to sing a certain way, and what not to do, what to do. It's amazing to me how much he knows, and he's given lessons to people, too. Um, mm. But he, he didn't want He goes, I can't be 100% anymore. He goes, I don't want to. I, I embarrass myself, he said. I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. This is what he told me. And I can empathize with him. I understand that because... Sometimes I'll say, shut up. I have trouble sometimes with my playing because I have a herniated disc in my neck. Yeah. And when it acts up, two fingers in my left hand, they don't go numb, but the motor skills aren't firing as right. fast as it is. Hmm. And, and I get freaked out. And, and, if, and I, it scares me when this happens. And it's not operable. I've had MRIs and all that. But um, I understand where he's coming from when you can't be that 100%. Yeah, and there's something and, um, very honorable about admitting that and knowing when it's when it's time to wrap it up. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but we all know there are some guys out there, they are trying very hard to hang on to a shell uh-huh. of their former self and and you can you can hear it you know but it's it is hard to let this go let's face it most of us that play music it's yeah. pretty much all we've done for and it's all we know for our whole life but um yeah you guys i think are yes. doing it the right way and i'm so glad you're going to be part of that that show i do want to yeah, make thank sh- you yeah thank absolutely you. man i want to make sure because some people are in the chat room and I want to make sure people know about the uh, the Blues Vultures dates that are coming up. And guys, and, and Ronnie, if you, you. if you go back and watch the the replay, and I'll send you the link to it, you'll see that uh, you know we've put some cool stuff up on 
the screen for people to see about the blues Thank vultures you. but go to go to uh, facebook.com slash the blues vultures their next show is coming up on friday june 9th at the racehorse tavern that is in thomasville and then if uh you guys will be saturday june 17th uh at, it says the i hope i'm saying this yeah. right and to yeah. tom brewery in hagerstown I don't think I pronounced yeah, that right. Yeah, it's called Rock Me, Don't Shake Me. Yeah, and There's yeah. like a lot of bands. We go on at 8 o'clock. Uh, there's a band, Motor Smoke, some friends of ours in that group, uh, some guys I've played with before. Um, and then uh, our friends from uh, New York, uh, uh, Streetlight Circus, they're playing cool. last. Cool. And quite, quite a few bands before us. And um, then we have shows coming up at se- in September. I'll send you some links okay. that uh, – uh, Rich, the other guitar player, has okay. um, for social media. Okay, and, great. Um, I should have sent them to you before I got on here. That's I'm okay. Completely slipped my mind. We'll get them up um, afterwards. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I. So yeah, we got. Some, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. We have some shows coming up. I want to finish this record though, and it's been. I am. We didn't play until um, uh, since December until we. We didn't play at all until May 5th when we did the M3 pre-party mm-hmm. uh, at the Reckless Shepherd Brewery in Columbia, Maryland. And it was I was grateful that uh, Dave Dillman booked this, got us on the gig to play because it was a whole new audience for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so we had a great time. There was a lot of people there. Um, yeah. Well, hope, and, um, hopefully when you're up at Merriweather for that last kick show, you can bend some ears and tell them to get with it and get the Blues Vultures right. up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Um, Hell, you know, I want you to open up for with them. With a different genre, a uh, different style of bands. Yeah. And, um, like, um, I'm talking with Austin, with their their agency, that's a whole different uh, kind of thing, uh, the music and the, the audience that we could play four mm-hmm. two um and uh hopefully s- still some of the same people will like our music too oh, from, i'm sure uh the kicks crowd and the the you know the bands uh, who played for that genre um sure i uh, think audience yeah i think they're going to follow you wherever you go you're beloved by many so yeah. Just, I hope so. You are, bud. <laughs> and, and I also wonder, yeah. you know, after after this final show, if there's any future work in store uh, that could could happen with you and Donnie uh-huh. working together. It's what someone uh, put in the chat room that that would be neat for you and Donnie to if if the Kicks guys don't can't do it, maybe you and Donnie can do something together, a project of some sort. That'd be kind of cool. I don't think Donnie would. I mean, I would be willing to, but I don't think he would. I think that once he decides he doesn't like somebody for something they did, hmm. and it was only me playing his songs with Steve, he probably's going to hang on to that until the day he dies. That's I don't sad. know. Like yeah. I said before, I don't know what I don't know, but I would be open to that. Well, Ronnie, you, you've always been an inspiration to me as a, a music fan, yes. a rock and roll fan, and I, I loved I loved how you play live. I like the energy, the energy and the look you you give. I mean, cool. you always are, had a good look. You are just constantly running back and forth. <laughs> I mean, the whole band for that matter. You guys were a machine. Everyone yes. was a, was part of a machine and, and you made it work Everybody and, and it, you made it look yeah, I'd feel 
Some yeah, people, some people that. make it look easy on stage. You make it look hard. <laughs> so I don't understand how anyone can have so much energy and pull it off with such grace as 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 you do. And and uh-huh. it's it's always an inspiration to get on stage and and try to you know pull off that same kind of energy. But there's so many rock and roll fans that look up to you guys and and we appreciate all the music that yes. you've given us and and it's there forever and like today i listened to a whole bunch of stuff from kicks and and, mm-hmm. and everything and and i appreciate all the hard work that you've yeah. done and just keep keep striving every day to be to be that great guy man Yep. Every day. Glad you're still yep. with us, too. Yep. We appreciate you, Ronnie. Thank you for Thank your time, you. and thanks for putting up with our technical issues there at, at, at the front. But I'll send you the link to it the could show. Have been, it could have been on my end, but I kept, like, I, I, I was, uh, I kept hitting the uh, unmute huh. button, button a couple times, and then we uh, reconnected. It still was locked in. That's and crazy. And I think it was definitely a technical error on both of our parts. And it's not our <laughs> okay. fault. We made it work, though. Well, not it, our fault. It, oh, we did yeah. the best we could do. Next we time, we'll right. ju- next time we'll just keep the Zoom up, and you just put, put the, take. You know, if that's something like that happens, just put the Zoom up and just talk on the phone. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you yeah, go. we could do that. So, but um, I've had a great time talking with you. Thank and you. You do a great interview and great host. Thank, thank you so much for having me tonight. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Best thank wishes. You. Stay strong out there. And thanks to the audience. Yes, wonderful. Absolutely. Thank we will you. share this and send this to all the rock press. <laughs> much love, my friend. Great. Take care. All right. Thank Take care. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. What there a nice, go. nice guy. That was an easy interview because he carried it for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's great. Yeah. You know, Scott's not uh, lying. When we opened for them, um, I think it was probably four or five years ago. It was uh, it was not the, that guy we just talked to was not the guy we saw that night. And um, to see how far he's come is so inspirational. What a great story! What a great uh, victory! Yeah. Now he did talk to me, but as afterwards, there you know, there, there was it was. The whole band was just kind of almost like they were walking on eggshells. And or, they probably and, and, were. Know, or, I, or I felt like I was walking yeah. on eggshells. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. You know, they, they, surely they know he's struggling and that, you know, that, that's going to affect the whole chemistry of what's going on. But um, it was still very special for us to get to, to uh, do that that night. I like yeah. hearing the story. I just, you know, I like hearing the stories like that, you know. Yeah. Just kind of, here's how it is. I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying it, but... And listen, I hope Andrea is still in here. And one of these days, hon, we're going to learn how to properly say your name. I don't know if it's Andrea Jeanette or Andrea Janae. I don't know. Maybe you can call me sometime and tell me how the heck to say your name. But I'm going to put this really neat picture of you up here uh, with Ronnie. And what a cool shot that is. That must be a neat memory for you to to have a a cool picture up with him. So I wanted to make sure we got that up. And we thank you, Andrea. You've been really fantastic to our show. And you've been uh, very helpful with some things, and we appreciate you so so much. So uh, make sure uh, make sure you help us get the link to this replay uh, to Ronnie. We'll we'll clean it up. We'll uh, we'll edit out some of that junk at the front where we were having trouble, but uh, that was still a lot of fun. That was great. Yeah, and, and we wanted to make sure that we got him. Um, you know, it looks like he will be there uh, for the final show. Fantastic. You know, that was the, the, the million dollar question. <laughs> it was. And, and, um, 
He that's, answered it. That's breaking yeah. and news. Then the, and then the $2 million question was will the Donnie will be there? Donnie Bird. That's right. <laughs> what a shame that he can't uh, let it go. Like Life he, is too short to man, do, you know. I'm telling you, there's yeah. got to be a way to just put it aside for one night and, you right. know, not right. just for the fans, but just for your own heart. Just let that stuff go, man. Yeah. Uh, we got Kevin Smith in, in the chat room. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Uh, Mimi Ike, he's the show. Absolutely. Mimi. Absolutely. Uh, Mimi Ike. Mimi Ike. Mimi Ike. Hi, Mimi. Yeah. And uh, there's there's more comments in here that have already scrolled off the screen. Guys, There, I know you were asking some really cool questions and making some cool comments. I'm going to send the link to Ronnie and see if it, when he has time, maybe he can come back in and, and respond to some of what you've asked and said in Fr- here. Frankie Foster says, I've been listening to Ronnie from the start of the club bands and kicks. I live in the same country. Or county, 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 sorry, county as Ronnie, and my cousin was Donnie's girlfriend from oh, the wow. Shoes days before. Oh, wow. oh, so you go way back. And way Shoes back. was the, the band name. Yeah. Douglas Robbins says, great show. Kicks owns Maryland. Boy, do they ever. Yeah, Kick, uh, Kicks Country. Big time. It's a big loss, man. I could, I could hear the tinge of East Coast accent in his voice. Yeah. I like, you know how I am with that. And He's I, got a little yeah. in him for yeah, sure. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big about loss. It, big you? loss losing those guys. But So if you ever go play in Maryland, you know, maybe we can... Uh, get you hooked up with some of those kicks fans. Hey, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Maybe we'll yeah. come to Maryland or yeah. go to Maryland. Yeah. Not come. Teresa, do you want to come on camera? Or would you rather not? Not tonight. She is working too hard to, she's a working to, class visit, girl. to visit with you folks, but no, she's over there doing the transcript and all the cool stuff that y'all don't see that she gets done for us. So I see, I want to read you. this one. Um, I saw of uh, uh, someone that made a, uh, how does he feel about today's digital systems over the yeah. old school amps and PA setups? You know, there were so many cool questions that we could have asked. But, I know. Sorry, know, guys. Some of his answers, you know, this one, I ran it to Ronnie about a year ago at the DMV and didn't know whether to wish him my best <laughs> or let him be. Knowing the struggles he had just gone through, Ronnie was gracious and seemed to appreciate me acknowledging him. Honestly, mm-hmm. though, Ronnie, you prefer... Um, uh, to to be left alone, or do you appreciate fans saying hi? I think that was a question. Yeah, yeah. Frederick County guy here, so I'm sure I'll cross your path again. I have a feeling that the Ronnie Yonkins that's alive and well today would love for you to come up and say hi. I I don't sure. think he's in that cloud anymore that he used to be in, and that's great. Adam Manfrey says Kicks fans are the best in the world. They are. They're hardcore for sure. Andrea says that we could play with the. Uh, we could play with the uh, blues vultures there if we ever come to Maryland. So I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. Be great. I'm going to look you up. Let's do it. Hey, we're here. Dustin Little, great job tonight, TMS. Thank you, Dustin. I do real quick before we sign off. It's been a long one. Thank you guys for hanging with us. Uh, we want to remind you all, we didn't get to talk about this up front because it was kind of a chaotic start to the show, but we pulled it off. If you guys uh, want to check out any live episode or the replay, you can see us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Look up Tulsa Music Stream. Subscribe and hit the notification bell. Also, if you guys like audio, this one was kind of kind of ended up being more audio than than uh, some episodes. But you can hear the podcast version of this show on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, ShipmentPhotos.com. 
they get your branding done right. They've done some beautiful yeah, pictures for our band, for Nine's band. Uh, if you guys need any photography done, look up shipmanphotos.com. Get a hold of Greg and Jennifer Shipman. They will make you look super good. And uh, I trust them with any band photos, any any headshots yep. you yep. guys need. They'll get it done. Dustin Little, we just mentioned him. If you guys, you guys have IT needs, maybe your computer's broken. I, I don't know what all Dustin does, but I'm sure it's a lot. Just get a hold of him, 918 He mends broken hearts, too. So <laughs> And broken uh, circuit boards inside computers. Yep. Broken Get a hold promises. of him, Dustin at okiepc.com. Thanks again to DEB Concerts. Make sure you guys check out the DNB Processing Rock Stage. Oklahoma. Going to be rad. Going to be rad. Get some uh, screen printing done at Identity Merch. If your band or business needs some shirts, he is your guy. You can also get Tulsa Music Stream shirts from our Facebook page. Upper left corner, just click on our website and it'll take you to get some shirts right there. Psychoma Filmworks, if you all need a band uh, video done, he is your dude. Thank you for the killer intro you did for this show, bud. Psychomo <coughs> at gmail.com. Tulsa Music Stream upcoming episodes. We've got another one. It's a quick turnaround. Tuesday, May 23rd at 7 p.m. Central. Josh Todd of Buck Cherry will be joining us live. We're going to talk about their new album, shows they got coming up, and more. And then we've got two more after that. Mick Sweeta, Monday, June. Smooth yeah. I never get through these without some He's got some of, awesome pork chops. Yeah, he does. Monday, June 12th, 7 p.m. Central. Mick Sweeta, formerly of the Bullet Boys. Monday, June 26th, we'll be talking to Lisa Jackson and Clint Switzer. That one's a little different. We're going to learn about the uh, business side and the podcast side of things. So, guys, it's been a long one. I want to thank you all. How you how you doing? Did you have a fun time out there on the road? Yeah, it was Josie? great. Yeah, it was it, it was Good. a perfect weekend. It was everything went great. I'm not going to Other lie. than the rain, other than the rain that took us inside from the first night to a smaller area, um other than that, everything was great. Man. There were a couple moments of guilt where I was feeling guilty because I was in that super comfy bed and I knew you were scrunched up on a couch in a bus. Well, no, actually, I, I, I was on the bed over the over the motor on the way home. Wow. And, uh, you know, if you're, tired en- if you're tired enough, you'll sleep, right? <laughs> it, it's pretty bouncy, though. I'm not going to lie. It's really bouncy. Yeah. And, and you feel, and I don't think they're really made to sleep while they're rolling, you know? Okay. Justin said it was a lot on the loud side. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's because it's right over the motor so we we had three of us in a bed at one time yeah Yeah. it's like having a having a fan yeah pretty much (laughs) except it's right underneath you and and you're being tossed around Uh, up and down but but i tell you what man you're in good hands with tim hewitt behind that wheel so we're glad that uh, you guys are safe and it was a great time and a lot more cool stuff coming up for y'all make sure you uh followed Josie Scott's saliva is what it's called now, correct? Josie Scott's saliva. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So check them out. They are going to be touring the country and even all Canada. Um, They'll be coming to Maryland, so keep your eye out. Is that you are, aren't you? I don't know know if Maryland's on there yet. Just made it up. Just give it time. But Scott's going to book it for us. Get on it, Scott. We'll call up Ronnie. All right. Well, thank you guys uh, so much for... uh, Contributing to the chat room. Appreciate you guys. Yes, there seemed like there was a, a lot of chatter tonight. Yeah. There was. Awesome. That's always good. All right. Definitely. Well, thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Ne- good night. Next Tuesday, join us for Josh Todd of Buck Cherry. Have a great weekend. Thank you for watching Tulsa Music Stream. Good night.